Alright, and hello guys. This is episode 2. Um, obviously I haven't recorded anything in a while, but I think that's okay. I was processing and dealing with a lot of stuff. But, this is episode 2. Um, so this is going to be something that I wrote, and I'm just going to read it and put it out here for you guys to listen to. Um, so it's titled Hiding and it's kind of about this pattern that I realized that I had uh, of hiding. Uh, it started when I was a, a young child, um, but I'll explain that when I read it. It's all, it's all there. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to me uh, talk about my experience in this world. Uh, it means a lot to me that you are here and that you are willing to take the time to hear my story and kind of get to know me and I hope that you can walk away with something as well. Uh, so, I'm just gonna read this. So it's titled Hiding, A Story from an Adoptee by Chad Otoski. When I was a young child, I liked to hide. Not your hide and seek kind of hiding, Although I was really good at that game, I would find places to hide like the top of a linen closet, or I would climb up to the top and rearrange the blankets to build a small fort, and then I would fall asleep there. It felt safe in these small confined spaces. It felt safe knowing that no one could find me. I can't say for sure how young I was when this behavior started, but I know it started young and I know it continued into adulthood. Although the hiding pattern changed as I became an adult. At times, my hiding caused a lot of panic for my caretakers. There were several occasions where the whole neighborhood was summoned to start a search party, and I think the cops were called on one occasion, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure. I also believe that this caused a few babysitters never to come back. The worst one that I can remember was when I was maybe 14 or so. I had gotten into an argument with my parents and had the urge to hide. Uh, th this memory helped me understand why and opened the door to explore the why behind this behavior. So after this argument, I went out into the storage room in our garage and constructed a hiding spot. I climbed in and laid down. I did not want to be found. Neighbors were called. Friends were called. I remember people coming into that room and being within feet of me, yelling my name. I remember hearing their concern for my safety and talking with each other about how much they hoped that I was okay and that they felt bad for me. Why did I not want to be found? What drove me to hiding? I'm now 34 and have been doing a lot of work on healing my inner child and becoming a whole person and working to understand myself better. I realize now as an adult that this pattern persisted into adulthood. The only difference is that as an adult, I am now my own caretaker. No one else has to go looking for me because no one else is responsible for me. This behavior as an adult has the same mechanics. Something happened that would trigger me to where I don't want to be seen or found, so I leave. In college it looked like finding a random party to crash where I would be anonymous, or turning off my phone and just going somewhere alone. Long car drives with no destination in mind and no thoughts about how to get back walking in one direction until I felt it was okay to turn back, or getting so drunk or high that I completely lost touch with reality. Being lost. Fast forward to being married in my late 20s and the cycle continued. 
By this time, I had my drinking and drug use down to a minimum for the most part, yet the cycle of wanting to disappear and hide was still there. In marriage, it looked like leaving. An argument would happen, and I would get that same trigger, and I had to go hide. I'd turn my phone off or block my wife, and I would leave. I did not want to be found. Sometimes, I would leave and just go drive, and sometimes I'd go sit at a bar and strike up conversations with random people. Again, that anonymity. You see, from the outside, this might look like normal behavior. You get into a fight, so you take a break and go do something to calm your mind, right? But there is an anchor in my mind. It goes deeper and it goes back to birth. It goes back to when I was handed over from the woman whose body grew me into the hands of complete strangers. I can't remember it in my conscious, but when I talk about it, my body remembers. You see, I was never running away. I was seeking to be found. My body believed that it was always lost. I was in a constant place of searching. I can clearly feel that desperation to find something. Those times that I was hiding in the linen closets, I wanted to be found. Because if I could be found, then that would mean that I was wanted and perhaps that I belonged. That deep held belief that I was not wanted because I was given away. That tragic and traumatic event of being separated from my mother as a baby became an anchor in my mind that I was constantly trying to pull against. You don't belong here. This is not your home. This is not right. You're a stranger in someone else's story. It's like living in a bad dream and perhaps in the hiding. You'll be woken up by the one person you wish to be found by. But it never happened. So you see, perhaps if I hide, in the being lost, maybe I could be found. Maybe I could be wanted enough to be sought after. This is what abandonment issues look like. This is what rejection sensitivity disorder looks like. This is an anchor deep in the subconscious holding on so desperately to the conclusion that if you could just get back to what you lost, everything would be okay and you could belong. The trigger is anything that pulls hard enough to jerk the chain of that anchor. Anything that says, I found you, pulls on that anchor yelling, hey, you've been found. But my body says, no, you are not the one I wanted to be found by so I hide. Anything that says, I don't want you here, or you're not good enough, you don't fit in here, you don't belong here, you see? Since I never knew where that anchor was originally laid down, in all these years of tugging and dragging that anchor around, even my ship is lost. The anchor is not in its original place. This anchor that is holding on so tightly to the origin story of who I am and where I am supposed to be is just as lost as I am and anything that tugs it and moves it further from its original point of attachment makes me want to crawl down the chain and sit at the bottom because if I can hold on to the last place I knew I belonged then perhaps she would come find me there. I would hide at the last place my anchor found rest. Fast forward to today. I've met my birth family. I was reunited with my birth mom. I've been found. This was one hell of a storm for that anchor. It had so much resistance to moving. It was so deeply lodged into its spot, so desperately holding on to everything it's grabbed onto to try and stay put. You see, pulling that anchor up was a lot of work. It had years of added weights to try and keep it steady. Every time it got dragged around, it collected more weight. 
It was not meeting her that helped me find what I was looking for. It actually took three more years after that meeting to start pulling the anchor up out of the water. It took learning the skills necessary to sit with myself and be mindful of my feelings, to hear them and ask them what they are trying to tell me. Feelings of isolation and loneliness, even though I was surrounded by people who loved me. Feelings of not belonging, even though I worked really hard to create a life and family for myself. The feeling of not being good enough or worthy of love, an accomplishment that held me back so brutally from progressing. I went and I sat with the inner child that first decided to toss that anchor into the water. We sat and talked about all those feelings of abandonment and rejection. We talked about the feelings of wanting to be found and, when the, and what that would mean if we were found. We talked about how the anchor has been dragged around for so many years that it itself is also lost. We cried together. And it was in that moment, while I was sitting with a baby version of myself, I was able to see how small that anchor was when it was first placed. I picked it up gently and with great care and put it in my pocket. I left baby me with the caretaker who would never leave or abandon him, a place to call home and a place to find belonging. For me as a Christian, that caretaker is Jesus, the only consistent character in my life. I handed baby me over to be held and let him know that we are not abandoned, that we are loved and well cared for, and that we won't be needing the anchor anymore because we have a place that we belong. I'm not searching anymore. I don't feel lost anymore. And I don't feel the need to hide anymore. I so distinctively remember the feeling when I would hide or go for random drives that I was searching for something, always on the lookout for something. But it's not there anymore. I've been found. And that anchor has been removed. It's safe on the shelf to remind me of its story. It's so small and childlike, plastic even, with a gold chrome finish to it. So that's what I wrote on hiding. Being adopted, there's always this underlying emotion of not belonging. Uh, something that a lot of adoptees can relate to you just you feel like you're living somebody else's life or like you're a fraud in your own space you have to pretend to be someone that you're not and it's challenging to come to terms with who you are when it's always been such a mystery. A lot of times people that I talk to this about will try and tell me that I did belong, that my family that raised me loved me, and that I was part of that family. And yes, those things are true. And I was very fortunate to have a wonderful family that raised me. But that doesn't override those feelings of not belonging or like you belong somewhere else. And so if you know somebody who is adopted, I would just encourage you to be mindful 
that those feelings might exist in them too. And though they are in a loving environment and there's people that care about them deeply, there is this anchor deep in their mind that might want to be found and they might have a lot of resistance to being found. But we can never go back. I heard this interesting thing about PTSD where if you experience a tragic event, say like a car wreck, you have a memory of life before that traumatic event and you have a memory of after that traumatic event. So your mind kind of places that anchor down there at that moment when that traumatic event happened. So you can remember life before it. As an adoptee, being adopted, I was three weeks old when I was adopted. That's when my mind dropped that anchor. The last time I was held by my birth mom as a baby. And so I don't have a memory, a conscious memory of before that traumatic event. And so it's just kind of fun to try to think through that process. So if you think about your own experience and you think about some of the earliest traumatic events that you experienced, maybe it was getting yelled at or being disciplined or a neighborhood bully beating you up or whatever it is for you. But if you can, if you can go back in your mind and think of the earliest traumatic event you can remember, maybe you'll find an anchor there as well. And, and you'll, you'll see that pattern of having a memory before it and after it. And if you did drop down an anchor, ask yourself, what am I trying to get back to? And once you can see that you have resistance to change because of this desire to get back to the way things were before that event, it'll help you to pull up that anchor and be content with what you have now and where you are and where you're going. Uh, I, I love that question. Where are you going? Where did you come from? It's an important question to stop and ask yourself when you're struggling. Where did I come from? Where am I going? And so from that place, you can accept your past, bring yourself back to the present and look forward and make a decision about where you're going from here, from this moment right now. Where are you going? Well, if you guys made it this far into my second podcast, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, I'll try to do more of these. I can't promise when the next one will happen, but I feel pretty motivated right now. And I'm working on some other topics. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, looks like I'm pushing 16 minutes I think keeping these somewhere in that 15-20 minute range might be nice I know I like short podcasts just as much as I like really long pa uh, podcasts depending on the topics at hand but, uh, getting started this is a good time range so 
thank you guys for listening um, reach out to me uh, if you are adopted or you're a parent who has adopted or you're thinking about adopting I would absolutely love to talk to you about that experience and just process the things that go with adoption because it's it's a lot to process and there's so many different dynamics that go into it and it's not a black and white event it's such a different experience for everyone involved and there's a lot to be learned and thought about in the process and I would love to talk to any of you about the topic of adoption uh, or if you're struggling with addiction or depression you can reach out to me too. I used to be super depressed and deal with and struggle through a lot of addictions and I would love to be able to share my wisdom on uh, how to find freedom from those things and find contentment with where your life is at right now and to create a plan for your future. Uh, you're not in this life alone. If you hear your mind telling you that you're alone and that nobody cares about you, just remember that that's not true. That that's just a part of yourself trying to protect you from being rejected and you can thank it. Say thank you for trying to keep me safe. But I'm going to reach out anyways because it's okay to need each other. If we didn't need each other, then one of us would have existed on this planet alone. Uh, and that's not the case. We were meant for each other. We were meant for community. We were meant for fellowship. We were meant to take care of each other. And so, reach out. Make some phone calls. Call a friend. Don't don't sit in your pain alone. There's people out there that are able to sit and listen empathetically to what you're experiencing. And they want to be able to provide that for you. Uh, one of our basic needs as a human that we all have is knowing that we matter and contribute to other people. And so, by allowing someone else to help you, they're getting their need met for meaning as well. And you're getting your need met to be seen and heard and validated for the way that you're experiencing life. And it's, it's beautiful. So, uh, if you have resistance to reaching out and you're struggling, um, reach out. You'll be surprised at who's there and who is willing to come alongside you and support you. Uh, I can be one of those people for you. So if you're hearing this and you've had resistance to reaching out, just, just do it. It's hard, I know. It took a lot of courage for me to reach out and ask for help, but I am so thankful that I did. And it took a little bit of trial and error to find the right help, but I did. Um, and so just keep that in mind. You may not get it right the first time, but that's life and it's beautiful and it's okay to mess up and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to succeed and it's okay to th thrive I have a hard time with that um, but yeah thank you guys so much for listening I really appreciate it and I'll try to get another podcast out sooner than later have a great day guys